97.5 The Fanatic. Fanatic Weekend. Here is Tom Alford. 97.5 The Fanatic. And 97.5 TheFanatic.com. What is going on, everybody? In and around the city of Philadelphia, how we doing today? My name is Tom Alvord. That imaging is correct. I got you for the next three hours, three to six right here on 97.5 The Fanatic on a beautiful, another beautiful day. It was on yesterday. It was a beautiful Saturday, beautiful day out today, Sunday. We're getting closer and closer to spring. The sun is staying up later and later every single day. So we're in a good spot here. Baseball's right around the corner. I can't wait. Beautiful day out there. Hope everybody is enjoying it. We got a ton to get into today and only three hours to do it. We got the Eagles contract situation that I'm a little bit worried about. I'll be completely honest when it comes to one of the bigger name players on the Philadelphia Eagles on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball in which the Eagles were not good at all last season, especially down the stretch. And one of your players, best players on that defense, and on already bad defense, is on the last year of his contract and is looking to get paid a lot of money. And the Eagles already have other guys that they need to extend. Are they willing to do it? And should you be worried about it? We're going to get into that, and I'll let you know what who that player is. We're going to talk a little NBA trade deadline, bad loss from the Sixers last night. We'll talk a little bit about the ceiling of this team without Tyrese Maxey. But trade deadline is just four days away this Thursday. What do the Philadelphia 76ers need to do at the deadline? And I want some names. It's a call your shot day. I want names. Who do the Sixers go after? You're big on DeRozan, Bogdanovich. Do you want DeJounte Murray? All, everyone's on the table. I'd love to hear all the Andre Drummond people. This is your chance. I want to talk a little trade deadline, and we're going to talk some fills. As I mentioned, baseball's right around the corner. It's getting warmer and warmer every single day. Pitchers and catchers is this month. The Phillies play baseball this month. It is fantastic. Dave Dombrowski's been sitting on his hands a little bit. Not exactly the most active offseason that we've ever seen. Uh, very unlikely and out of character for a Dave Dombrowski, but he likes his team. But there was a rumor today that I saw on Twitter from Bob Nightingale about a big-time player, big-time free agent who is still available, potentially being linked to the Phillies. And I'll let you know who that is. We'll get into that. And maybe a little bit of that Corbin Burns conversation that I wanted to get into from the other day. But we have to start with a special anniversary. This day, six years ago, one of the greatest days of my life. Probably the greatest day of my sports life. Yes, six years ago on this day, Super Bowl 52, the Philadelphia Eagles defeat the New England Patriots. Greatest day of my life. Greatest day of a lot of people's lives out there. We've been waiting for decades and decades. 80s, 80 years old. 10 years old. Doesn't matter how old you were at that point. The thing that some of us thought we would never see in our lifetime finally happened. And it happened in the most unique way you could ever imagine. We all know the story. I'm not going to dive too deep into the season or the game. But... There is a bigger picture here that I'm going to get to in just a second. But we all know the roller coaster. I mentioned the roller coaster of the Philadelphia 76ers this season in the past decade, what that has been like. That whole season, the Philadelphia Eagles season back in 2017, 2018, was a roller coaster as well. We know you get off to a hot start. Second year with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, and we think we got it. We think we have the duo, the head coach quarterback duo that every single franchise strives for. We finally have it here in Philadelphia. These are going to be the guys for the next 10 seasons. They get off to a fantastic start that year. They're absolutely just boat racing teams week in and week out. And then late in that season, week 14, I believe off the top of my head, Carson Wentz goes down and tears the ACL and probably the lowest I've ever been as a Philadelphia sports fan, truly in my life, the night 
And then the next morning or the day or two after, I forget exactly when it was, that they announced that he had the torn ACL, the lowest I have been as a Philadelphia sports fan. Now, these past couple of years have been uh, challenging that, I'll tell you that much, but the lowest I had been in a sports fan because, as a sports fan because it was just ripped away from us. We had this perfect season ripped away from us. We had this potential franchise quarterback ripped out of his MVP season, and there's so many chances. You only get so many chances to win a Super Bowl, and as soon as Wentz went down, I was like, we're done. We have no chance. And then Nick Foles happened, and it wasn't pretty right away. As we all know, end of the season, late, the games against the Raiders, games against the Cowboys, we were having Nate Sudfeld conversations. If he should take over for Nick Foles, that's how bad it was. But listen, you squeak by, you get into the playoffs, and you are the one seed. It goes through Philadelphia. And what happens? Atlanta, start getting a little bit of luck. Well, listen, the offense didn't play great in that game, but because of a kneecap from Keanu, uh, Keanu Neal, excuse me, and a crazy bounce that goes right to Torrey Smith because of Julio Jones, one of the greatest red zone receivers ever, not being able to bring in a couple passes in the red zone. The Eagles squeak by the Atlanta Falcons. You're like, all right, listen, we got Case Keenum next week. We're in a good spot here. Just pray that the uh, Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars beat Tom Brady so we can just kind of gut this thing out and win ugly and potentially luck our way into a Super Bowl. And that was not the case because Nick Foles made a deal with God. I don't know exactly what happened. Some of the greatest quarterback play I have ever seen in my life in that high leverage of a situation. Didn't start pretty in Minnesota, as we all know, but then you get the pick six that people still say to this day is the loudest they have ever heard. Lincoln Financial Field in that Minnesota game. You get the flea flicker flicker from Nick Foles, and everything changes at that point. Whatever uh, Doug Peterson did at that point, whatever Frank Reich did at that point, going heavy RPO, whatever changed, worked. And Nick Foles played some of the best quarterback play from the second quarter of that NFC Championship game on to the next week in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the biggest, biggest enemy, Darth Vader of all of football, maybe all of sports, the greatest of all time, two of the greatest of all time, maybe the greatest head coach of all time, and probably the greatest NFL player of all time, and definitely the greatest quarterback of all time. You're going up against them with a damn backup quarterback, and you outplay him. Nick Foles plays the game of his life. I will never forget where I was. I was in the living room with my parents. We had my my then girlfriend, my now fiance with me. I uh, had a couple of my aunts and uncles. It was a small group. I'm not a huge big-time party person when it's a high-stress game for my Philadelphia sports teams. About 10 to 15 of us. The greatest, one of the greatest days of my life. One of the greatest days of my life. And I know it was the same for you. The roller coaster of that game. Of course, we know Philly Philly. Zach Ertz sprawling for a fourth down conversion. Getting a huge kick from Jake Elliott. An awesome, sublime day. Super Bowl 52. Six years ago on this day. And how things have changed, right? How things have changed, not just for Carson Wentz, not just for Doug Peterson, but for the Philadelphia Eagles as a whole. But look, Howie Roseman, as bad as it ended in 2018, he built it back up. He did a pretty good job. Now, this year, not so good, but they are still in a relatively good place, the Philadelphia Eagles, when you compare them to the rest of the NFL and when you compare them to even some sports teams here in the city. So the reason that I bring this up and the reason that I start the show with uh, the Super Bowl anniversary today, it's not so much to look back. Listen, if you want to reminisce on the Super Bowl, I'm all for it. Again, the greatest day of my sports life. I Like just hugging your dad, your dad who had never seen a Super Bowl, my dad who had never seen a Super Bowl in his life, calling my grandpa who was 85 years old at the time being able to hug my brother and be with my fiance and my mom the one of the greatest days of my life and i know that you felt the same way so i'd love to hear some stories if you have them but that's not necessarily what i want to get into today the reason i bring up the super bowl the reason that i bring up this anniversary it's been six years as i mentioned mentioned 
since we won a championship here in Philadelphia. Six years. It feels like a year ago, and at the same time, it feels like two decades ago. Six years since we won a championship here in Philadelphia. I want to project a little bit. I want to look in the, uh, in the future. A little crystal ball action. Over the next six years, I don't know why, but that number stuck out to me when I saw that today. Six years since the Super Bowl. Over the next six years, how many championships will we see here in Philadelphia? 610-632-0975. Now look, I know this isn't a galaxy brain discussion. I understand that these discussions have been made before and had before on sports radio, on these airwaves, on many airwaves around Philadelphia and around the world and around the U.S., whatever it may be. I understand that. But to me, when I look at the state of all four of these teams, and that's what we strive for and thrive for, it's the championship. Like, playoff wins are okay. Stats are fun. MVPs are fun. 70-point games are fun. NLCS wins are fun. All that's great. I want more. I strive and thrive for that championship. I want another parade down Broad Street, and I know you want it out there as well. That is the thing that we do this for. That's why we get into sports, whether you get into it as a career like myself or whether just as a fan, as a Philadelphia sports fan. It's to have that parade on Broad Street and be able to say that you are the best. You are number one because you won the championship. Over the next six years, how many championships will we see in the city of Philadelphia? Now, my first initial thought, probably like three, hopefully three, maybe even, hey, you could talk yourself into maybe every single uh, uh, organization of the big four, at least. We love our union, of course, but I'm talking about the teams that I fell in love with as a kid. The big four, Flyers, Sixers, uh, Eagles, and Phillies. You could talk yourself into potentially all of them winning a championship in the next six years, right? And then I look back. And do a little bit of history. Think back to the history of the Philadelphia sports teams around here. We've had three in the last 40 years. Three in the last 40 years championships here in Philadelphia. I'd like more, personally. I'd I'd be okay if they decided to win a couple more. But hey, listen, I guess I can't be too greedy. So when you think about the next six, it's easy to talk yourself into, well, listen, you got Jalen Hurts. Eagles, yeah, last year was bad, but you're in a good spot. You still have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You still have this core locked up, and you still have Howie Roseman, who's one of the best GMs in all of football and a very good ownership in Jeffrey Lurie. Do they have their flaws? Absolutely. But they are still top five when it comes to owner GMs in all of football. I could absolutely see the Eagles winning in six years, right? You go to the Phillies. This is a team that was one win away from the World Series last year and two wins away from winning the World Series two years ago. They can get one in the next six years, right? And then you look at the Sixers, where, yeah, it's been not as fun, but you have the most talented player or one of the most talented players on planet Earth today in Joel Embiid. And, yes, he's injured a bit too frequently. And, yes, he is only getting older. But, look, you have cap space next season. You have assets finally. And you have an emerging star in Tyrese Maxey. And you have a damn good head coach in Nick Nurse. Forget about what happened yesterday. It's, it's one game. You could talk yourself into them potentially winning a championship in a wide-open NBA, especially a wide-open Eastern Conference, where it's tough. It's going to be a hard Eastern Conference this year. Knicks are really good. Pacers look good. But it is relatively wide-open in that Eastern Conference. And then the last team, the Flyers, and the reason I say last, not because they're last in my heart or anything like that, it's just we know they're a little bit further away. They are probably the furthest away of all the four teams, but they're in a good direction. You have Matvey Michkov, a kid who's 19 years old, who's supposed to be a superstar, a top three prospect in all of hockey coming over in a couple years. He'll be in his prime six years from now. Danny Briere and Keith Jones seem to have this team going in a good direction. You could talk yourself into them winning a championship. But when I think about it realistically, And I think about how hard it is and how much luck needs to be involved. Nick Foles won a damn Super Bowl 
Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Talk about luck being involved. You need to be good. You need to be good consistently. And you need a little bit of luck. And when I look back at the history, just three championships in the last 40 years, when I initially said three or four we're going to get in the next six years, I step back and I'm like, listen, we, we got to be realistic here. Tom, what are you doing? So to me, I truly believe we're getting two championships here in the next six years. And that might seem crazy because we've had three in the last 40, as I've just mentioned. But I really like the trajectory that the Phillies are on. Yes, I have a little bit of issues of how Dave Dombrowski is handling this offseason. This is still a damn good team. And yes, it was an absolute mess with the Philadelphia Eagles this last year. You still have a damn good core. And in my opinion, and I think it should be in all of your opinions out there, a really good quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And again, it goes back to the GM and ownership uh, combination of Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. I think you get two. I would love more. I'll be honest, though. I just need one. That's it. I need to see one. I need a championship here in the next six years. You're so damn close. All these teams are so close. Will it happen? How many will will they get? So that is the question. That is the main point, the main topic of our show today. Again, 610-632-0975. Based on the six-year anniversary of Super Bowl 52, the last time we won a championship, I'm going to use that number six. How many championships will we see in Philadelphia over the next six years? 610-632-0975. Tom Alvord, Haley Taylor on the board. We'll talk to her throughout the show. Got you till 6 o'clock right here. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. (laughs) Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on Backstagecountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. 97.5 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 Fanatic. Tom Alvord, hanging out with you this Sunday evening. 610-632-0975. Reminiscing a little bit on the six-year anniversary of the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Look back a little bit. If you want to give me some memories, that's great. We can talk about that. But it's not necessarily what happened. I don't want to look in the rearview mirror. I don't want to look in the past. I kind of want to project to the future a little bit here. And the reason we get into sports, whether it's a career, whether it's a fan, is because you want to win a championship. It's because you want the joy of having a parade down Broad Street and having absolute being on cloud nine because your team is the best in the world at their sport. That's what we get into this for. So to me, when I hear that six years since we've won one last year in Philadelphia, over the next six years, how many championships, if any, Will we win here in the city of Philadelphia? If it's zero, look, I, it's been a rough couple years for, for me as a Philadelphia sports fan. And I know for you listening out there as a Philadelphia sports fan, if we come away with nothing over these next six years, I don't know how much longer I can do this. <laughs> Not necessarily doing my job, but being a Philadelphia sports fan. After all of the pain we've gone through, imagine if we had not won the Super Bowl in 2017. 2018, technically, but the 2017 season. Imagine if we had not won. Think of how much worse we'd feel the year after that Alshon Jeffrey drop. Think of the last two years, all we've been through. Losing three championships, if we'll include the union in this one, three championships in the span of what? Two months for the Philadelphia sports fans out there? And the way that that happened, where you're up 
in the World Series. Going back home, you're up 2-1 in the World Series against a better team. And you lose it. And you choke it away. Eagles, you're up double digits at halftime. Sodfather and a holding penalty. You lose it, and it's ripped away from you. The Phillies this past year, where you're up 2-0 on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then you're up 3-2 with two home games remaining at Citizens Bank Park. The best home field advantage, one of the best in all of baseball. And you lose it, and it's ripped away from you. And then, of course, the Eagles this year, where you start 10-1 on cloud nine. 10-1, this was the year that it was going to happen. Finally, all the pieces are together. And not only do you not win it, you fall apart completely. You lose six of your last seven games and get blown out by Baker Mayfield and score nine points in the playoffs. Imagine all the, that we've been through the last two. And I'll even, the Sixers, too, being up three to two and losing game six the way you did at home and then completely quitting. Your players completely quitting, specifically Joel Embiid and James Harden in game seven in an NBA playoff game. Could you imagine if we did not win 2017? Now, look, it doesn't completely heal the wounds that we've had the last two years and have had since 2017. But just imagine how much worse it could have been. That Super Bowl is such a blessing, and I think we take it for granted sometimes. When things have been as bad as they have been as of late, I think we take it for granted a little bit. So shout out to Nick Foles. Shout out to Doug Peterson. Shout out to Carson Wentz, of course, for getting us there because they don't win that Super Bowl if it's not for Carson Wentz because you don't play the first two games in Philadelphia if you didn't start the season the way he did. But, yes, I want to project a little bit how many will we win over the next six years. Again, you can make a case for all of them. You could, both in, in both ways. You could make a case negatively for the Philadelphia Eagles, for the Sixers, for the Phillies, and for the Flyers, and you could make a case positively. So I want to break down a little bit the state of all four teams. And how close and how realistic it actually is that one that all four of these teams or any of these four teams win a championship over the next six years. And again, you can get in at 610-632-0975. We'll start with the Eagles. I'm going to get to the phones in just a second. We'll start with the Eagles. Eagles are in a pretty good spot. I will be honest. Look, I understand how the season ended. I understand the disaster that was the last six, seven games of the regular or six games of the regular season. And then, of course, the playoff game. I understand this team has some flaws. That defense, a lot of holes on that defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're bringing in two brand new coordinators again. So this is now three or seven different coordinators in the last three years, if you want to count Matt Matt Patricia. That's not exactly stability. That's not exactly a recipe of success. Now you have a lot more experience, but still brand new coaching staff for the Philadelphia Eagles once again. You also have Jalen Hurts and the contract he has. Jalen Hurts is worth the contract that he got. I am not regretting the Jalen Hurts contract in any way whatsoever. However, that cap hit's going to start bumping up little by little. It's not crazy. He's not going to make in a ton of money until like four years from now. I believe off the top of my head, and I'll look into it in just a sec, I believe it's $15 million this year or around $21 million, and then it bumps up to $33 million. So over the next three years, you have a chance here. You have a chance to do something when it comes to signing a bigger player. But, however, you have to look into potentially paying guys like Devontae Smith, like Landon Dickerson, like Hassan Reddick, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. You can make the argument both ways. But regardless of all the issues that the Philadelphia Eagles have, and one of them, of course, is the head coach, where it was he was literally asked in a press conference, what exactly do you do for the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a big worry for me. And if they do have a successful season and Kellen Moore decides to leave for a head coaching job, Uh, Now what when it comes to the offense? That's a worry for me as well. But despite all those flaws and question marks about the Eagles, 
you look at this team. You look at having look at the offense to start. Just the offense. Yes, you're losing some guys on the offensive line. You still have a Pro Bowl left tackle, a Pro Bowl left guard, and a Pro, a pro Bowl right right tackle in Lane Johnson for at least another year. Hopefully he does not retire. I feel like we would have heard more speculation if he was going to retire or think about it. So I'm assuming that Lane Johnson is back. Jason Kelsey, who knows, up in the air. But you have his replacement, Cam Jurgens, and we have Jeff Stoutland, the best O-line coach in football. Look at the wide receivers, top two, top five, top three wide receiver, wide receiver, excuse me, duo in the NFL and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And no, despite what some people are trying to start when it comes to the conversation of A.J. Brown being traded, he is not going anywhere. That dead cap, is, dead cap hit is like $40 million. He's not going anywhere, especially with Jalen Hurts here, his best buddy and the godfather of his daughter. He's not going anywhere. You're in a good spot with the wide receivers. Tight ends, Dallas Goddard, when he is healthy, is a top five, top six, top seven tight end in all of football. Running backs, they're interchangeable. Look what Howie Roseman did after losing Miles Sanders. Brings in DeAndre Swift. Maybe he's back. Maybe they go for another guy. Your core here is set. You have Jalen Carter on the defensive side. Son Reddick, again, he's locked up for at least next season. We'll get into him a little bit a little bit later on in the show. You have a really nice young core here in Philadelphia. You have a franchise quarterback. That's a check when it comes to being able to win a Super Bowl. You have a head coach who has done it before, not win, but gotten to the Super Bowl and has had success in his first three years with the Philadelphia Eagles as a head coach. Now, he has his flaws, absolutely, but based on history and track record, you have a head coach who is capable of leading you to a Super Bowl. And then, as I mentioned before, you have Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, a top five, top three GM and owner duo in all of football, maybe even in all of sports. We'll talk about that. That's a different conversation for a different day. But regardless, you're in a really good spot here. And you still have a wide-open NFC. Look, the San Francisco 49ers are good. Damn good. What happens when they had to have to start thinking about paying some more of these players? Now, they have Brock Purdy on a rookie contract. Can Brock Purdy keep up the play that he has? Are those lucky bounces going to continue to go the way of Brock Purdy? Or do you potentially have an advantage because you have an advantage of the quarterback there? Detroit's a nice team. Have their flaws as well. Look at the Packers. Jordan Love's an up-and-coming player. Still a very young team. Dak Prescott, the Cowboys absolutely have their flaws. It's a relatively wide-open NFC. Yes, you have a long way to go to get on the same level of San Fran and Detroit now. You need a very good offseason from Howie Roseman, and these coaches need to step up. But I don't think it's crazy to say that they're that far away from being in Detroit and San Fran's level because they were better than them the first 11 weeks of the season, and they've only gotten better coaches on paper at least. And we know Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman knows he has to make major changes. So to me, I do believe the Eagles get one in the next six years. I think they're in a pretty good spot. That's a thumbs up for me. Look at the Phillies. Yes, the last two years have sucked. There's been high highs, but the last two years have absolutely sucked the way that they've ended. But you have been two years away from the two wins away from winning the World Series two years ago, and one win away from getting back to the World Series this past year, where you're going up against the Texas Rangers team that isn't exactly a juggernaut. Good for them for winning a championship. Shout out to them. But it was right there, and you had it ripped away from you. Now, look, I, I know there's questions about how Dombrowski has handled this offseason. What to expect from Nick Castellanos? Does this roster still have flaws? Are they relying too much on Orion Kirkering being taking Craig Kimbrell's innings? This team has issues. Rob Thompson, potentially, for some people out there. I know Rob Thompson seems to be a polarizing uh, figure in this city. People that either love him or hate him. I'm more on the love him side. I think there's only so much a manager can do. Now, did he lose him games in the playoffs? Absolutely, especially when you look back to game four, I believe it was off the top of my head, when he decides to not start Taiwan Walker and goes with Christopher Sanchez and then pulls him. Regardless, despite the flaws that the Phillies have, despite me wanting Dave Dombrowski to have 
a much more active offseason than he's had. You have the same roster that has been damn close to the World Series or in the World Series the last two years. And we know the home field advantage that is Citizens Bank Park. We know that still nobody other than the Diamondbacks have any interest in coming here and playing at Citizens Bank Park. You have a good mix of stars, and you have a good mix of young, up-and-coming talent in Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm, Ranger Suarez, of course, maybe Christopher Sanchez or Ryan Kirkering. We'll see. They, they have a good mix. Baseball's a long season. It's all about playoff time. The Phillies, I also believe, will find a way to get a championship in the next six years. Thumbs up for me for them. Sixers, look, you can talk yourself into it. You can talk yourself into, hey, Joel Embiid, best player in the world. Tyrese Maxey, rising star. Ton of cap space. Great head coach. An aggressive GM. To me, it's tough for me to truly believe it. To me, that's a thumbs down. I don't believe we find one, and we get one from the Philadelphia 76ers over the next six years. I'd love to be wrong. I absolutely would. Could it happen? Absolutely. But history tells me that it's not going to happen. Joel Embiid can't seem to stay healthy. He's only getting older. His body is starting to potentially give him issues. I said it yesterday. I don't think he was put on this earth to play 82 games and then four seven-game series. He's seven foot two, 280 pounds. Like he is a big dude, and he's had problems with his feet and his ankles and his legs pretty much his whole career. When you look at that, and when you look at the playoff, the lack of playoff success that they've had, to me, it's tough for me to sit here on February 4th, especially with the state of the Sixers right now coming off a loss, and with Joel Embiid's uh, health in question over the next couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, hopefully not. It's tough for me to sit here and say that they're going to win a championship in the next six years. So it's a thumb down, some, excuse me, thumbs down for me. I don't think it happens. I'd love to be convinced otherwise. And then we'll talk about the Flyers as well. It's in a good spot. Listen, they talk about an unlucky franchise with the Cutter Gauthier situation and the Carter Hart situation. Not exactly the best luck that they've had. Now, part of it, not in those situations, but part of the poor showings on the ice from the Philadelphia Flyers has been management as of late. But with Keith Jones here, with Danny Briere here, they seem to be making good moves. You have Owen Tippett, a guy that they signed long-term, a great trade. That was from Chuck Fletcher, but you have actual assets now. You're only going to get more at the deadline. You have some young talent. Oliver Bonk is a kid, a defenseman down who plays for the OHL. They drafted last year. He's having a great season. Denver Barkey's another kid. They drafted, I believe it was last year as well. He's having a great season on the same team in the OHL, the London Knights. You have prospects here. They have a couple good goalies in the farm system, but I get it. It's Flyers prospects. Don't get too excited, but I like where they are at right now. But it's tough for me to say where in a situation where I don't necessarily know if the Flyers are ready to be winning because your GM and owner have said it time and time again, we're still worried about building for the future. We have a long-term goal here. Could it happen? Absolutely, because things change in hockey quick. If, if Matvey Mishkov decides to come over next season and he is a superstar three years from now, Flyers are in a pretty good spot. But it's tough for me right now to say that, yes, the Flyers are absolutely winning a championship over the next six years. So that's my question. That's my little rundown. I believe that we get two. Maybe I'm crazy because we've only had three in the last 40 years, but these teams are in a good spot for the most part. Do they have their flaws? Are there issues? Are there questions? Do they drive you crazy? Absolutely, freaking lutely they do. But I think they are in a good spot. I really do. I think we get two over the next six years. What say you? 610-632-0975. I'd love for you to make a case for all four teams. If you think the Flyers get one, if you think the Sixers get one, if you don't think the Eagles get one, if you don't think the Phillies get one, I'd love to hear your reaction, and I'd love to hear why you feel that way. Again, 610-632-0975. Also, I forgot to mention, uh, we're going to have Chris Franklin. NJ.com does a fantastic job covering the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be joining us at 5 o'clock to talk a little bit about the birds. 
Uh, so you're definitely going to want to tune in for that. But let's get, start the phone lines, open the phone lines up, and let's go and head over to Delco to get the conversation started with Rob, who wants to talk a little Sixers. Rob, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's up, Tom Taylor? How are you guys doing, man? What's up? Tom? How you doing? All good? Oh, great, man. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sandwich my my quick story. I know you said, you know, we can mention one if we want to, with my prediction on the championship. Sure, the sure. Game, okay? All right, so I'll start off with, my quick story. Uh, my dad passed the season right before the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it was see, when they won. It was kind of bittersweet, you know. What I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, but but uh, you know, my quick story is the day after time I go to the cemetery and there's a worker kind of like in the distance in the background doing something, and I did an Eagles chant right for my dad sure. at, at the cemetery just to go. So this guy's looking at me like you know like I'm. Like, like I'm drinking or on, on yeah, like you're crazy something. or something. But I had to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Old timers that never got to see that Super Bowl. I passed just the season before, so I had her, you know, respect for my dad. I had to go and do the Eagles chant. So I was that was the right thing to do. I'm glad you did it. I was going to do it no matter what. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, Tom with the Sixers. Uh, it's kind of we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. Do we just go down with the sinking ship with this guy, or do we get to a point where you consider? Get what you can for him. I'm probably in the in the group of, you know, all my eggs are in the basket with him, so I'm going to let it ride and pray, pray that he stays healthy for one postseason from start to finish to give us that legit shot to win a championship. But it's kind of like, like I said, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't with the guy because what do we do? We're probably yeah. going value if we deal him. So I guess we got to split a ride with him, so I wanted to see what you thought about Yeah, that. it's so tough because, obviously, he's a fantastic player. He's a top five, uh, top three, top one player on planet Earth. Today, 70 points a couple weeks ago. We see how good he is, but it's constantly injured and not being able to get out of the second round. Now, I will say, I, do, I don't think Joel Embiid's going anywhere. I think if it were, were to ever happen, it would have been after last season, the way it ended, and that offseason where they tear it down. You're in a good spot in the future. You have cap space. They can sign another big guy to uh, pair with Maxi and Embiid. And, look, Daryl Morey said it before. It's so tough to find Joel Embiid's out there. Daryl Morey just signed an extension. I don't think he wants to do a rebuild. So you're right. It's a little. You're in a tough spot on both sides. But I think Joel is here, and they're just going to try and try and hope and pray he's healthy in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's where that's the camp I'm in. Uh, real fans of the Eagles. This is why I thought the guy shouldn't be back, Sirianni. I think he's a lame duck coach, and some people disagree and agree on that. But the second they hit a one and two. Um, you know, 0-1 start, you know the questions are going to start. Every press conference with Nick, are you worried about your job? Yeah. The press is going to be asked, are you worried about your coach's job? It's going to, it's going to happen just because, listen, this is Philadelphia, you know what I mean? This is a high-pressure town. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. So, But my main reason with that, though, Tom, is the last six, seven weeks going into the playoffs and counting the playoff games, you could say the last seven, eight weeks, whatever you want to say, answers to a test, Tom, a major test coming up, high school, college, whatever you're studying for, and you have half of the answers, and then you study the other half, you're thinking, I'm, I'm probably going to get a pretty good grade. I'm probably going to get a really good grade. Well, this is why it was unacceptable for me, because it comes back to the head coach. Yep. They knew, and I still can't get over it, they knew they were getting blitzed, Tom. They knew oh, it. Oh, it's, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. They didn't absurd. know where it was coming from. They didn't know how it was being disguised. I understand all that. But my, my point was they ain't having the, half the answers to the test. They knew they were getting blitzed. 
It wasn't, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't watch the old 22. I'm not in there nine, ten hours a day studying film. And I knew it. <laughs> and you knew it. I didn't know it. And Rob, real quick, for, I'll touch on that Eagles point after I let you go. How many championships real quick in the next six years? Uh, listen, I'm always the optimistic. I'm going to say four, one for each. Why not? You know what I mean? Uh, listen, I hope you are right. Not likely, but I hope you're right. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you getting us started. Uh, on the Sirianni stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's really a great point. I didn't even really think about that too much, but as soon as this team, I was worried about when this team faced adversity uh, in that locker room. Like I, I'm worried about a little bit of a power struggle because you have three potential head coaches in one room. Now that can be a really good thing if things are on the right path and everything's working, everything's clicking. But what if adversity hits? What if some finger pointing happens again and these players look around the locker room like, look, Sirianni didn't have any or didn't really have answers for us last year. Is he really in charge? Should I be listening to him? Or should I be listening to Vic Fangio? Like, who's actually in charge here? Does Vic Fangio look at Sirianni and like, look, man, I could be doing a better job than you're doing. Kellen Moore, look, I I'm, might be a head coach next year. I can do a better job than you're doing. I was worried about in that locker room how the players were viewing them. When that, if adversity and when adversity hits next season and how they respond to that. I wasn't even really thinking about the questions that are going to be asked to Nick Sirianni. As soon as this team hits adversity next year, as soon as this team starts a two-game losing streak, or maybe gets off to a rough start, one and three to start the season. Those questions are coming. And we've already heard the rumors about Bill Belichick and how the Eagles have had their eye on him. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. As a backup plan, if Sirianni fails, you know how the media is in this in this city. Damn good. Some of the best media in all, in all cities in all of America. But they're tough, and they will ask the tough questions. We saw it when, when a guy, when a person... Asked literally, what do you do exactly? What is your role for the Eagles in a press conference in which Nick Sirianni is speaking speaking for the first time since the playoff loss? We know we're going to ask tough questions here. You know the rumors are going to start happening. Look at at some of the rumors that came out when things started free-falling after they lost one game. They were 10-2. They started 10-1. They lost one game. We start getting finger-pointing and rumors. That is a big concern for me, and it's one that I didn't even really think about. How does Sirianni handle the first time he faces adversity from the media? And feeling pressure. He didn't have any answers for adversity this past season. Is he going to have any this season when his job's even more in question? That is very, very tough. That is a tough thing to look forward to if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. But again, if he, you're in a good spot if things are clicking. If Kellen Moore can bring in his offense and use a little bit of Sirianni's mindset on, what's he, on what he wants to do in the offense, Kellen Moore has proven that he's done a, a, at least a good job as a coordinator. Does he have his flaws? We had a Cowboys fan call us yesterday, and he wasn't gloating or anything like that, but he kind of uh, spoke real with us. I believe his name was Mike off the top of my head. He's like, look, we, all the good things you're saying about Kellen Moore, motion, pre-snap motion, getting your guys open, these were all things we were complaining about when Kellen Moore was there, and we were happy he left. Now... I'm hoping that he looked himself in the mirror a little bit and realized he had to do things differently. They did do a good job with motion this past year with the Chargers. They were eight in pre-snap motion. It's just different looks. I think you're going to have different looks on that offense, and I think Kellen Moore is going to do a good job of putting his skill position players in the best spot to succeed and his quarterback in the best spot to succeed. I do think that's going to happen. Defense, look at Vic Fangio. Do I love necessarily the Fangio defense type style? No, the bend don't break. Like, would I have loved to them to potentially go after a Wink Martindale? Yeah, I would have. But that's the Eagles' organizational philosophy is how they want to handle their defense. Now, who knows how much longer it lasts, especially if Fangio fails. But Vic Fangio is a guy who's been a D coordinator since 1995. Some of the players on the team weren't even born when he started being a defensive coordinator. You have experience now. You have guys that have talent when it comes to the coaching staff. Defense, they need to add more talent. That's absolutely true. But look at the offensive side. 
of how much talent they have. And when it comes to the defense, you know Howie Roseman knows that he has to make moves. And you know that he's going to do all he can, or at least I hope he's going to do all he can, to give Fangio the right pieces to work with. Is it going to be fixed in one offseason? Maybe not. But can it be the build, the start of a build of something here? This thing has a chance to work if all things are clicking. And Sirianni does a good job, and his voice continues to carry in that locker room. And players respect him, and coaches respect him, and he's able to handle maybe adversity well. You could potentially be in a good spot if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Rob's right. There is a chance that this thing potentially free falls a little bit quicker than any of us want and any of us might be expecting next season. 610-632-0975. Discussing how many championships we will see in Philadelphia over the next six years on the six-year anniversary of Super Bowl 52. On the other side, you can continue that conversation, but I also mentioned that... There's a contract and a player that I'm a little bit concerned about for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll be completely honest. It's a big-time player on the defensive side of the ball who is going to be on the last year of his contract, who is in his late 20s, who wants to get paid a lot of money. Eagles looking at the cap space and some of the dead cap that they might have to take on because of previous cuts and because of maybe some new ones like James Bradbury. Um, Does he fit the plans of the Philadelphia Eagles in the future? We'll talk about that. I want to get into a little bit of fills, and we'll talk some Sixers deadline on the other side. We're going to start with Lance, if you don't mind hanging. Got a couple open phone lines for the first time today, and then it could be you. 610-632-0975. Tom Abor got you till 6 o'clock right here. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. the Fanatic. Tom Alvord hanging out with you, as the imaging just said, until 6 o'clock. 610-632-0975. Talking the state of all four Philadelphia teams on the anniversary of six years ago this day, Super Bowl 52, the highest point of my life as a sports fan. Looking ahead to the next six years. Will we see a championship in Philadelphia in the next six years? And if so, how many? I do believe it. Maybe it's me being a bit of a homer. Maybe it's me just dumb hope. I believe we see at least one and maybe two. I think it comes from the Philadelphia Eagles and the Philadelphia Phillies. But I need one. I need one so bad. When you look at the history, doesn't look great for my prediction. Rob from Delco said four. I would love for him to be right. Doesn't look great for his prediction either. Three championships in the last 40 seasons. If anything, there's one thing I ask for in my life. I don't know how long I'll be on this earth. I don't think anybody does. You know, maybe a psychic out there. Who knows? Tunis and I talked about that. I think it was Tunis. Was it Tunis? I forget. Maybe it was a buddy of mine. Regardless, I remember t- having a conversation, and it was about, I just need to at least see all four teams win once in my lifetime. I would love all four teams to win seven times in my lifetime. I'm not just going to settle for two more championships for the rest of my life, from one from the Flyers and one from the Sixers. But if anything, I know it's tough. I know a lot of luck is involved. If anything, with the time that I am on this earth, I already saw the Phillies, obviously, in 2008. Hopefully see another one very, very soon. Obviously saw the Eagles six years ago, as I mentioned, Super Bowl 52, the anniversary, which happened today. 
Haven't seen the Flyers. A lot of people haven't seen the Flyers because it's been since early 1970s and haven't seen the Sixers. I saw the Sixers get to a NBA Finals when I was seven. Don't really remember it a ton. I'll be completely honest, but I saw them get to a Finals, but not win it. If anything, just give me at least two from them so I can say I saw all four of them win a championship. But again, I hope it's much, much more. And again, this is no... This is no hate towards the union or anything like that. The union are a damn good team, and we should be paying attention to them here in Philadelphia. However, I'm talking more specifically about the four teams that I grew up loving was the Flyers, Phillies, Sixers, and Eagles, of course. So that's our main topic of conversation today, 610-632-0975. Going to dive deep into a contract that I am worried about for a player that I am potentially worried about for the Philadelphia Eagles in just one second. We're going to head back to the phones and head to Arizona and talk to Lance. Lance, how are you, buddy? Good. So I wanted to make my first point of Philly's point, but then we'll go to the Eagles. But with cool. the Phillies, I look at it this way. The National League got better this offseason, and the Phillies, the only move they made was to bring back Aaron Ola. So, like, I sit there and I look, man. I thought we, we, when we talked last year, I thought they missed Reese Hoskins all year. They missed that grinder in the middle of that lineup. Even when he was cold, he'd give you quality at bats. They don't have somebody like that behind Price Harper. Like, Real Muto used to be that. I don't think he's that anymore. Castellanos is, like, all over the place. And I don't think Alec Baum is a cleanup hitter. So I I think they're still missing that. And so when I saw the report that Cody Bellinger, they would be interested in depending on the contract, that makes sense. Because I think he gives you, if he plays like last year and he's fully healthy and he could play good defense, the guy that, that gives you the best chance to get yourself back to World Series. Yeah, Bellinger, for those that don't know, Bob Nightingale today, we're going to touch on this a little bit later on in the show as well, mentioned that the Phillies might be interested in a guy like Cody Bellinger if that number comes down to me. Yeah, I mean, look, Bellinger worries me because of this. He worries me because he's a left-handed bat. That, whatever, like, I think we need more power on the right side. If you bring a guy that hits 30 home runs, it doesn't really matter which side he's hitting from. It's not a perfect fit because he's a lefty. Defensively, it's a perfect fit because he's great defensively at first base and in the outfield. He's so damn streaky. And it's not just throughout an entire season. He'll have one great MVP year, and then the next two years he's batting like 210, and he's hitting ninth for your team. I I worry about giving a huge contract, which he still will get. It won't be 200-plus million. I worry about giving a huge contract to a guy who's been so streaky in his career. Oh, no, I agree with you. That's that's exactly how it's been. But he's like some of his career has kind of been injured, and then he was coming back from the injured like it wasn't great. The problem is, is this, I think they were all in on trying to get Juan Soto next year, but since he went to the Yankees, I don't see him leaving the Yankees. I think the Yankees are going to give him a blank check. So you're not going to have that guy out there next year. So if you're going to make a move for a bat, you might as well do it this year and try to bolster yourself. Now, like I, like you said, I don't know if I want to give him a long-term, if you can get him on like a four-year contract, I can live with four years, four years, a hundred million, something similar to Castellanos, maybe. Yeah, maybe something like even even if you go like 140 million, it's only four years. I can live with four years. I can't live with it if it's like six, seven years. I don't want to get into that contract. Sure, sure. Okay, and so Eagles. Yep. Yeah, so with the Eagles, I look at it this way. You're talking about how many Super Bowls they win. Like to me, it all comes down to what does Jalen Hurts look like next year? Because that's what it's always going to come down to is quarterback play. If Jalen Hurts is closer to 2023 and 2021 with new coaching, then at some point we're going to have to have the discussion. What are they doing at quarterback? Because that would tell me three out of the four years he hasn't been 2022 Jalen Hurts. Now, if he's sure. 2022, you're good going forward. You're going to be fine. And I kind of look at the landscape of the NFC. Like, personally, my personal opinion is 
I think Kingsbury left Oakland or Vegas because he knew they weren't going to be able to get Caleb Williams, and he went to Washington because I think Washington's going to trade up to one because Chicago, he doesn't want to play there, and they're going to trade back to two. So they're going to get that, get him. So I look at the young quarterbacks in the NFC. You would have Caleb Williams, and I think he has the highest upside out of the younger ones. And then you have Jordan Love, who was frankly phenomenal considering how many injuries they yeah, had. He was fantastic this year. Yeah, and, and like I started looking at that, you your timeline's right now. So like you you better figure it out next year because I don't think you can wait 2 3 years down the road and be like we need a reset or something like that. It's now. You, yeah. you got to do it now. Yeah, I hear you. And real quick before I let you go Lance, how many championships are we seeing in Philadelphia in the next 6 years? You want me to be honest? Be honest with I've me. Lived, I've been I'm in my uh, uh mid to late 30s and i've seen two in that time uh-huh. every 17 years is about 17 18 years is about right i'm probably none but i'm hoping they at least get one all right uh it's gonna make me feel great but i appreciate it look and look again maybe i'm being a bit uh bit positive which again i always try and look at sports and life in a relatively positive way maybe i'm being getting a little in over my head here saying that i think we're gonna see two but it's just because these teams are so close well look it's possible we don't see any it's absolutely possible. It's possible we don't see any in the next 30 years based on history. Like, you just never know. You So much luck is involved and good ownership is involved, good GMing, good decision-making. And I do think the Philadelphia 70s, or excuse me, Philadelphia 76ers, I do think the Philadelphia sports teams are run well. I do. Look, Howie and Lurie have their issues. They run this. They've had the second most playoff wins since 2000. This is a well-run organization. It has issues at times. Things leaking out. The decisions that they made at quarterback with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles coming back, and then drafting Jalen Hurts. All that stuff it worked out for them. But they have their issues. They're still very good at what they do. You look at the Philadelphia Phillies. John Middleton. He's one of the best owners in sports because he just lets Dave Dombrowski do what he wants to do. He will throw a blank check to say, to lack of a better term to any player that they want to get because he realizes they have a window. When you have a quote like, yeah, people really won't remember all the money that we say. They won't remember the money. All they're going to remember is the championships. I'm paraphrasing here. But John Middleton, when he says that, you're in a pretty good spot. And they've already looked at the signings that they've made, not this season, but in previous seasons since Bryce Harper has been here. You look at Schwarber, Castellanos, Nola, hopefully Wheeler getting an extension, Trey Turner last year. And then you have Dave Dombrowski, who, again, I don't want to look too much at this offseason, but... Dave Dombrowski has won everywhere he's been, and he's put him in a very good spot since he has been here. Good ownership there. Run well for the Philadelphia Phillies. Flyers, it's still up in the air. It's still a question mark. Tyrone talked about this with the Cutter Godier situation a couple weeks ago. Why would I give the Flyers the benefit of the doubt and say that they did the right thing when I don't necessarily know? They don't have a track record. I don't know if they're doing a good job with this. Like, I don't know how good Keith Jones is going to be. I don't know how good Danny Jones, uh, Danny Jones, Danny Briere is going to be. That's possible. That's true. However, to me, I like what I've seen so far. They have adults in the room. They have guys that get it. They have that Flyers. They've had that Flyers logo on them, but it's not It's not the same old Flyers hirings. Like Danny Breer went to business school before he got a GM job. He could have been handed a GM job right away or an assistant GM job and worked his way up. He knew that he wasn't completely ready for it, so he decided to go to business school and see how things work. Like that is a guy who is dedicated. And Keith Jones, he knows this city. He knows that team. I think they're in a pretty good spot. Jury's still out, still question marks, but I do think they're in a pretty good spot. And it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, the final one. I do think the (laughs) – this is going to be tough to say. I think the Philadelphia 76ers have smart people up top. I think the trio of Nick Nurse, Daryl Morey, and Josh Harris is a good one. Could it be better? Sure. 
Have they had their issues as well? Do they have their flaws? Absolutely. Josh Harris, I think, is a good owner. I know he irks people, especially when he went to Washington and bought that team. He's not cheap. He spends money on things that need to be spent money on. He went and got Daryl Morey. Like he, he's gone after an aggressive GM. He's had an Elton Brand gone after guys that have put them in position to at least attempt to go for a championship. Aggressive moves like going for Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler in the past. Josh Harris, I know he irks people. I do think he's fine as an owner. I do. Daryl Morey, he has his flaws as well. He just signed a contract extension. He's going to be here for a while. It worries me a little bit with Daryl Morey at times, but I do think compared to especially other GMs around the NBA and the president of basketball operations, I do think he's one of the better ones. He has his flaws, but I think he's one of the better ones. And one thing that's always true about Daryl Morey, he's going to go for a championship, maybe to a flaw, to a fault, where he's star hunting and goes after James Harden instead of Tyrese Halliburton, uh, reportedly a couple years ago. But regardless, and then Nick Maris, I've said it before, I said it last segment, Nick Maris, I believe, is one of the, five six seven best coaches in in the nba right now i think he makes a true difference so that's that's just my opinion i think these guys these owners especially for the sixers and for the phillies and we'll see about the flyers eagles you could argue a little bit but the phillies and the sixers in particular here their owners are good because they are surround themselves with what they think is smart people again you could have that argument what they think is smart people in daryl morey and dave dombrowski and they just let them do their thing. They stay out of the way. Now, Lori doesn't necessarily do that all the time. Hopefully, he's gotten better with that. That is the one thing that the ownership does do well for the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think that's what makes a good owner is being able to spend money, not being cheap, but not interfering too much and letting your teams do and smart people do what they are paid to do. So you do have a relatively good group of guys running this thing for all four teams. I do want to go to two things real quick before we get to this Hassan Reddick thing that uh, Lance brought up. You mentioned the Hertz. This, this year's on Hertz. If we don't see 2022 Hertz and we see last year's Hertz and 2021 Hertz, then that's an issue. We got to start thinking about stuff because that'll now be three or four years if Hertz struggles again this season. Again, maybe this is just me wearing green goggles. I thought Hertz was fine last year. Did he regress? Yeah. Was he awful like some people made him out to be? No. I still believe he's a top 10 quarterback. He had no help from the coaching staff. No help whatsoever from Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. They literally had no answers. Sirianni said it himself and how he said it himself. The offense got stale. It was obvious they had no answers. Jalen Hurts still makes big-time throws. Now, does he have the arm talent of Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? No. But, man, he's, he can be, make big-time throws when he needs to make them and be accurate when he needs to be accurate. More times than not, Jalen Hurts. Did he struggle with turnovers this year? He did. I think a little bit of them were fluky. Turnovers can be fluky in the NFL. They can couple of those bounces were crazy. And he was bad to start. Not bad. He, was, he struggled to start the season, especially with the turnovers. We saw that fumble early on with the Patriots and that horrible pick against the Minnesota Vikings and, of course, the Jets. But for the most part, I thought he got better at taking care of the ball later on. I think we're going to see that interception number regress next season. Fumbles, he's a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot. Running quarterbacks tend to fumble a lot. That's always going to happen. But if those interception numbers come down, and I think they will, they felt a bit fluky to me, especially late later on. I think they'll be fine with that. But to me, if you surround Jalen Hurts with good, smart coaches, which I hope Kellen Moore is and some of the guys that he's bringing in to fill out his coaching staff, and Sirianni lets him do what he wants to do offensively, I think Jalen Hurts is going to thrive next season. I do. I worry a little, about, a little bit about having a different play caller for three straight seasons when Jalen Hurts himself said he loves that he had Shane Steichen two years in a row and look what happened. 
Jalen Hurts isn't nearly as much of a worry for me as it is for some people out there. Now, this could all change if six weeks into next season he's struggling and we're seeing a little bit of the same turnover issues and he's missing reads and this, that, the other. Then that's a conversation. Right now, I'm still feeling positive about Jalen Hurts. He also mentioned Caleb Williams doesn't want to go to the Bears. That's just a rumor. I don't think that's been said at all by his camp. I, I, I have a problem saying that over air because I don't know if that's factually true. There's a lot of rumors that are going on right now. Unless I hear Caleb Williams himself say, I'm not going to Chicago, which I don't necessarily know why you wouldn't want to. Like Chicago, I know that they haven't had a ton of great history, but I think things are trending up for Chicago if they even decide to take Caleb Williams, which they may not because they might hold on to Justin Fields. But it, it, he said that Caleb Williams doesn't want to go to Chicago. I'm not saying he's not going to be right, but as of right now, that is just a rumor that is not true. Maybe that's the reason Cliff Kingsbury decided to leave the Raiders, even though he said that he was going to take the OC job there and now is going to the Washington Commanders, allegedly, reportedly, to be the OC for them. 610-632-0975. I mentioned that there was a player that I'm a little bit worried about for the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. That player is a damn good one. One of the best at his position. Hassan Reddick. Now, Hassan Reddick, been with the Philadelphia Eagles for a couple years now. Really good signing by Howie Roseman a couple years ago. Three years, $43 million it cost to sign Hassan Reddick, who, again, has been fantastic for more times than not, for longer than not, more instances than not, excuse me, for the Philadelphia Eagles. When I look at the numbers from Hassan Reddick, 11 sacks this past season, 16 sacks the year before, 16 sacks the year before. He has now had double-digit sacks in each of the last four years. The lowest amount of sacks he's had in any season in the last four years is 11. This guy's a game changer. Now, the D-line as a whole was not good last year, especially in the second half of the season. I think the coaching catastrophe that was Sean Desai, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia changing way too many things than he should have, I think that put a lot of guys in bad spots. But the D-line was really bad in the second half of that season. They were better in the playoff game against the Bucs, but... Man, they were just not getting any push and not getting any pressure on any quarterbacks they faced. Hassan Reddick still put up numbers, but some of them felt a bit empty in that second half of the season. Regardless, Hassan Reddick is still a damn good player in this league. The problem is Hassan Reddick is 29 years old. A little over 29 years old. He'll be 30 at some point next season. Hassan Reddick is on the final year of his contract. As I mentioned, three years, $43 million. He is set to make... Money right here. Here we go. Cap hit. $19 million this season. Excuse me. $21 million this season. Why does Spot Track never make this easy? $21 million this upcoming season for the Philadelphia Eagles. My apologies. So you have a 30 year old guy, someone who's going to be 30 years old next year, who wants to capitalize and wants to get paid. Now, I'll, I will say this Hassan Reddick has handled himself very professionally. These questions started this past offseason. Uh, before the season started, before training camp started. And he mentioned something. He mentioned that he just wants to see, he loves seeing guys get paid big-time money. This was after Nick Bosa got signed for massive money, $170 million contract for the San Francisco 49ers. This is not me talking negatively on, on, on Hassan Reddick. He has handled himself very professionally. But what, what Hassan Reddick wants is to get paid again. He wants an extension, I would assume, or at least to hit the free agent market. He's only getting older. He knows he has to capitalize. He has absolutely earned it for what he has done, as I mentioned, four straight seasons of double-digit sacks. Will the Eagles pay him? That's my big concern. And I go back to an article from Jeff McLean. He dropped it earlier this week, I believe it was. I think it was early on in the week, maybe Monday. He dropped an article. It was fun. It might have even been last weekend. 
Fun little article. It was a stay-and-go type scenario for the Philadelphia Eagles. He does it every single offseason where he looks at every player on the roster currently and says, will they be back next season? Will they stay or will they go? Will they end up leaving? Whether it's them making a decision, the player, because they are a free agent, or potentially the Philadelphia Eagles deciding to make a decision to move on from that player, from said player. And it's something that wasn't really talked about a ton this week on the station, which I was a little bit surprised by. In that stay-and-go article, he had a thumbs-down for Hassan Reddick. Thumbs-down. Not saying that he doesn't want him here, Jeff McClain. Not saying that he doesn't think he's a good player. But a thumbs-down because he doesn't think Hassan Reddick is going to be back. He says in this article, and you can find that on Philadelphia Inquirer, he finished again with double-digit stacks. If he stays, the Eagles will likely have to rework his increasing contract. He has leverage, and then followed by a thumbs-down. So he's not saying he's gone. He's saying there's a potential he's gone. You look at some of the contracts that are being paid for edge rushers in the NFL. As I just mentioned, Nick Bosa is making $170 million. TJ Watt, $112 million. Joey Bosa, $135. Miles Garrett, $125. Montez Sweat just signed a $98 million contract. Rashawn Gary, $96 million contract. And oh, by the way, you know Michael Parsons is going to want a big contract as well, so that number is only going to go up. Now, look, I don't think he necessarily gets that type of money because he is 30 years old, and a lot of these guys signed when they were a little bit younger, but he's going to get big money because he's an edge rusher, one of the most important positions in all of football because he has done it before. He has a history of succeeding four straight seasons, double-digit sacks, and as long as he's not being dropped back in coverage like he decided to do, Matt Patricia, then you're in a pretty good spot. It's a position of need for a lot of teams out there, and he's done it in the past. He doesn't want to be making that $43 million that he got. He doesn't want to be making just $21 million next season. He wants to be making $21 million for the next three seasons, four seasons, five seasons. I don't know. Are you worried at all that Hassan Reddick might not be back for the Philadelphia Eagles next year? 610-632-0975. Again, this is not Hassan Reddick saying anything. This is all just a little bit of speculation, just doing connecting some pieces here, connecting some dots. Hassan Reddick is going to be 30 years old. He's on the last year of his contract. Edge rushers are getting paid a ton of money. Eagles are going to, that salary cap's going up, up, and up with Jalen Hurts little by little every single year. They have to pay other players in Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson as well. Maybe even a DeAndre Swift. Who knows? They're going to have to start looking to sign some of their other younger players who are eligible for extensions. Does it worry you at all? Any concerns with Hassan Reddick potentially not being back next season for the Philadelphia Eagles? And would you extend them? That's a whole nother conversation. Do you extend a guy in Hassan Reddick who is 30 years old and potentially wants a 80 to $100 million contract? Now, again, I don't know exactly what he's going to get. I thought James Bradbury was going to get much more money than the $33 million he got last year. I was wrong, and you know, rightfully so, because he ended up not playing very well this season. But who knows? Maybe he doesn't get that as big of a contract as I assume. But you have to worry about potentially there's risk in paying a guy at 30 years old an extended contract. And there's also a risk of not bringing that guy back because this Eagles defense was not good last year, especially in the second half of that season. What the hell are they going to look like without Hassan Reddick? Now, look, I know how Roseman's going to let Fangio bring some guys in here. They're going to talk, build Fangio's defense that he wants to build. To me, that's a little bit of a concern. Again, Hassan Reddick has not said a thing, but connecting the dots here, I think that's something, a big decision potentially that has to be made by Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. 610-632-0975. Any worry at all about Hassan Reddick's situation? And would you re-sign him to a multi-year contract if you were the Philadelphia Eagles, despite him 
about to turn 30 years old. Again, 610-632-0975. All right, on the other side, we're going to continue the Eagles conversation and also want to get into a little bit of Sixers deadline because deadline is just four days away. There's a couple big names out there. Well, not huge names. There's no LeBron James. There's no Luka Doncic, Steph Curry. There's a couple big names that the Sixers have been connected with, rumored to. How do things change with Joel Embiid's injury? What does Daryl Morey decide to do? How big of a move does he need to make? I want to start talking a little bit of deadline here. And I also want names. Names that you are interested in for the Philadelphia 76ers. Call your shot. You get a wish list. Who do the Sixers trade for on Thursday? Who would you like to see them trade for? Who do you think they trade for? We're going to talk about that. A little bit of birds. We're getting into Phillies a little bit later. Again, 610-632-0975. Tom Alvord, Haley Taylor on the board. We'll hear from her in a little bit. Got you till 6 o'clock right here. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. The imaging just mentioned. Gotcha till 6 o'clock. 610-632-0975. Reminiscing a little bit on the Super Bowl 52 victory that took place six years ago on this day. Looking ahead a little bit. That number six. Over the next six years, how many championships will we see here in Philadelphia? If any. Also getting into a little bit of the Hassan Reddick contract situation because this guy's going to be 30 years old next season he's on the last year of his deal and i know he wants to get paid a ton of money do the philadelphia eagles do it and if they don't how big of a hit is that for the defense a defense that already was not very good in the second half of last season 610-632-0975 also before we get to the sixers thing and i'm going to hit a couple phone calls here i guess jalen's knees okay (laughs) like that was something that apparently hampered him all season long and we talk about, or people have talked about, hey, he looks so much different running the football. Doesn't have that same speed. It's obvious he's bo- it's bothering him. He's going to have to do something in the offseason. Maybe that's a little bit of the reason that he regressed. But dude's having fun at the Pro Bowl. Now, look, I'm not telling you telling him that he's not allowed to go have fun at the Pro Bowl. If he wants to play at the Pro Bowl, go have fun, play at the Pro Bowl, do the skills composition, whatever you feel like doing. But I guess the knee's fine, and we're just not talking about that. I would love, I don't know the next time that Sirianni and or Howie Roseman speak, probably not until around training camp, I would assume, but I'd love to hear the issue that was Jalen Hurts' knee. You knew that he's not going to get you anything at all, right? The best that you're going to get from Jalen Hurts, any kind of issue, it's just like, yeah, it's bothering me, but I'll be all right. That's it. I'm good. I'm feeling all right. Sometimes I'll say, yeah, it hurts a little bit, but I'm okay. You know how Jalen Hurts is in the press conferences. You're not going to get an answer from him ever or one that we want to know. I'm curious if Howie or uh, Nick Sirianni give us a little bit of an answer next time we hear from him. But, yeah, that was a bit strange when I saw that. And Again, I don't don't care if he goes to the Pro Bowl. I'd rather him be playing in the Super Bowl. I'm sure he would rather be playing in the Super Bowl as well. This isn't a shot at Jalen Hurts or anything like that. I'm just – I guess the knee's okay. I guess he's fine. Maybe he gets a scope later. Maybe it's a cleanup. Maybe he just needs rest. I really don't know. I don't know the – I forget exactly what the extent of the injury was. I think it was just a strained knee off the top of my head. But, yeah, just something that I kind of saw last night, saw on Twitter a little bit. 
seeing some of the highlights. I guess his knee's okay. I guess it wasn't as big of a deal as some of us thought it may be. And hopefully that's maybe we see a little bit more of a 2022 Jalen Hurts when it comes to at least running the football next season if he has a full offseason to recover. 610-632-0975. Going to touch on some Sixers stuff in just a second, but Lou and Manny Unk wants to talk a little bit of Jalen Hurts. Lou, how are you? Hey, how you doing? I just uh, had a quick question sure. for you. Out of, out of your curiosity, who, do, who would you rather have as a quarterback next year? Now you have Jalen Hurts, who's gotten us to the big game, or would you rather have a quarterback who can't get into the big game, what they're saying, Josh Allen. Oh, that's I remember having those conversations around the Bills game, like when they came here middle of the year. Josh, I'm more of a Josh Allen fan than I think some people are. I think he's kind of unlucky at times, and I think that some of the stuff, the reason that they haven't been winning isn't necessarily on him. I mean, his defense gave up 70 yards in like 10 seconds in that Chiefs game a couple years ago. There's nothing Josh Allen can do about that. Turnovers, good quarterbacks are going to have high turnover numbers. It's tough. I, I think they're right yeah, there on the same level. Yeah. But, I mean, just the fact that Jalen Hurts is even in that conversation is probably a good thing for Philadelphia That's Eagles a good fans. Thing. Yeah, you are correct. Yeah, I'm curious are who correct. you would take, Lou. Uh, Lou, excuse me. Uh, I think I would go Josh Allen. I think I'd go Josh Allen. Yeah. And, and talking around, it's almost a 50-50. People you talk to, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's great. And then, Lou, before I let you go, we're at the conversation. How much, do you think we see a championship here in Philadelphia in the next six years? I think our best bet is the Phils. That's our that's our only option. I think at this point, our only option. Uh oh, Lou. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily know where the Josh Allen conversation came from. Like, I mean, maybe he was just talking with his buddies and was curious to get my thoughts on it. Um, I think they're they're right there. Look, like, look, Jalen is a damn good quarterback. He doesn't have nearly the arm Josh Allen has. He's also not nearly. It doesn't put the ball at risk nearly as often as Josh Allen does. I mean, you see some of the throws that Josh Allen makes. Those are throws that 99.9 of people on planet Earth cannot make. And people in the league that play football in any league cannot make. But Jalen Hurts, I'll give him credit. He's done a lot better when it comes to being a pocket passer. We obviously saw that two years ago. Still has a little bit to go, but he's done much better. He's improved a ton as a pocket passer. And even just the the deep ball has been really good as of late. Maybe not so much this season, a little bit of regression. But, like, Hurts still make thro- makes throws that wow me. When I see that, and it's multiple times a game. Now, again, it's not Aaron Rodgers' arm angles or Matt Stafford arm angles or anything like that. He just will make throws multiple times a game where I'm like, that was a perfect throw. That could not have been placed better by Jalen Hurts. I see it multiple times a game, and that's a good spot to be in. I, right now, it's tough for me to give an answer. I think they're on the same level. I, yeah, I, I don't want to give an answer. I think they're on the same level. You could say Josh Allen just because of pure... I worry about Josh Allen breaking down potentially. Like He hasn't so far, and I hope he plays for the next 15 years. I love watching Josh Allen play. But you could say, oh, any rushing quarterback could break down. Jalen Hurts might have an issue with breaking down. Yeah, but Josh Allen literally runs over linebackers. He thinks he's playing peewee football, and he's the biggest kid on the team. Now he kind of is because he's a six foot six quarterback who weighs like 230 pounds, 240 pounds. He is like bulldozer. But how long can that type of play be sustained? It always drives me crazy, and I think that's part of the issues with the Bills. I think that's why they did a good job of um, going away from that after Joe Brady took over when they fired the old OC, who the name is escaping me at the moment. But I think they got away from it just being a Josh Allen-centric offense, and they were running the ball a lot more with James Cook. Now they kind of regressed and went back to Josh Allen-centric in the playoffs, but I thought they did a little bit better job. It's a toss-up to me. I can make an argument for both. But just the fact that Jalen Hurts is in that conversation is a pretty good thing for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Uh, I want to move on to the Sixers here. Sixers. 
ugly one last night. Yikes. I did Sixers All Access, our little pregame show that we do here, hour before the game. And I was excited about this game. I'm thinking, okay, you're getting on, uh, getting off a five-game road trip. You have a finally back in your bed. You are going to be at home for the next two weeks. Yes, you get the Joel Embiid injury, but look at how Tyrese Maxey played, coming off his crazy game. The role players now know that they have to step up. Maybe you get a big Tobias Harris game, and then Tobias Harris misses the game, and you're out like four starters, it feels like, at this point. And they get blown out last night by the Brooklyn Nets, the 19-28 and 28 Brooklyn Nets going into last night's game, who were 8-14 and 14 away from Brooklyn. You lost to them, and you lost big. Now, you only lost by 15, but it was, it was much more than that for a majority of this game. They kind of made it close there at the end. The Philadelphia 76ers did. Tyrese Maxey, he struggled. 8 for 23, 3 for 8 from 3, and 23 points. Inefficient, only had one turnover, but an inefficient night from Tyrese Maxey. It's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like without Joel Embiid. And again, we don't know exactly what's going on with Embiid's knee injury. The news broke yesterday, and we talked about it on my show yesterday, that it's a flap of the meniscus. Don't necessarily know if it's torn yet. There's a possibility. But we kind of just learned the pretty much the same thing. We know more specifically what the injury is, or reportedly is, from Sham Sharania. But it's the same thing. They're going to take the weekend to evaluate. Think about what options they want to go with. I think there's a couple options, and I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but just from talking to people, talking to people in the medical field, it seems there's a couple options for Joel Embiid where it's just rest and rehab, no surgery at all, and this thing just kind of, they wait and see if it gets better on its own. Not gets better on its own, but like see how he feels a couple weeks from now, and they don't do a surgery at all. I believe there's a minor surgery that would keep him out potentially a month, and I think there is a major, quote-unquote, not major, major, like reconstructing ACL, but a bigger surgery for that injury that keeps him out potentially multiple months, where there's still a chance he gets back by May when um, the, the playoffs will start. But to my knowledge, at least, don't, don't say you heard this and, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen, but that's my knowledge of what's going on with Joel Embiid's knee injury. They're going to evaluate. To me, my big thing, I, hopefully we find out Monday, Sham Sharani has said we get an update on that, but you never know Philadelphia 76ers. Hopefully you have an idea of what's going on. To me, all I care about is just get back for the playoffs. Get back for the playoffs. Give yourself enough time to ramp up before the playoffs, even if it's two weeks before the playoffs start. The last game of the regular season is April 15th, I believe. Mid-April against the Brooklyn Nets. He could come back April 1st. I'm cool with it. Give him two weeks to ramp up, get back in game shape, and I'm good. Because this team is talented with Joel Embiid when healthy with Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, of course, and potentially some additions at the deadline, which we're going to touch on in just a second. This team, regardless of what the seating is, Connor Thomas is someone who is very worried about seating. I don't care about seating. I know that, yes, you are in a better spot if you are the one seed or the better seed, but I know that the Philadelphia 76ers have just as good of a chance to win a seven-game series against pretty much every team in the NBA Eastern Conference, regardless of if they have to play on the road or at home. Look, they won game one in in Boston last year, and they won game five in Boston last year. Like, I don't care where they play. They win the game in six series, or they win the series in six games. Who cares? They finished out game six on their home court. They didn't have to go back to Milwaukee or Boston for a game seven. So as long as Embiid is healthy enough to get back at some point before the playoffs start to get himself back in game shape, I'm good. I'm not panicking about the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know if that means just rest and rehab. I don't know if that means a minor surgery. I'm cool with them missing an extended period of time as long as it's not the rest of the season. 
It's going to be curious to see. How, I'm going to be curious to see how the Sixers fare without Joel Embiid, whether it's for a week without Embiid more or whether it's for multiple weeks or months without Joel Embiid. Tyrese Maxey's the lead guy. I know Tobias Harris is the highest paid guy on the roster currently that is playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid makes a little bit more money than him. I know Tobias is the highest paid player out there playing right now. Tyrese Maxey's the lead guy. That's obvious. He's an all-star. He's a kid that's absolutely blossomed before our eyes as a all-star and hopefully more in, uh, in Philadelphia here for the Philadelphia 76ers. But we talk a lot about the ceiling. What's the ceiling of this team with Tyrese Maxey as the lead dog? To me, it's a 500 team. If you can hover above 500, I'm cool with it. Now, I think you saw it a little bit last night. Now, they had a ton of injuries. I'm not blaming this on, Ty- on Tyrese Maxey or anything like that. But you're going to have games like this without Joel Embiid. When every game, pretty much every game the Sixers play, when Joel Embiid is out there, they have the best player on the court. That's not necessarily the case when Tyrese Maxey is out there when you're going up against some of these better teams over the next couple weeks and hopefully just days for Joel Embiid. I think you're going to see some ups and downs. I think you're going to see great games from Tyrese Maxey, great game, great team wins from this Philadelphia 76ers team. I also think you're going to see some stinkers because they just don't have the firepower with no Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey being the lead dog. But if he can have this team hovering around 500, that's all I can really ask for at this point. It's kind of I mentioned it yesterday. It's kind of like Bryce Harper when he's been injured, whether it was last year when he was recovering from the UCL or two years ago when he broke his hand uh, before they went to the World Series in June. Just hover around 500. You hover around 500. Right now, they're currently 12 games above 500. The Philadelphia 76ers are good for the fifth seed. The East has been really, really good this year. If you can hover around 12 games over 500 when, when Joel Embiid gets back. If you're in a similar spot, I think you're in a pretty good spot. That's my expectation for Tyrese Maxey. I think the ceiling of the team obviously is lower without Joel Embiid. With Tyrese Maxey leading it, I think I'm a little bit lower than some people are. But again, I'd love to be proven wrong by Tyrese Maxey. But as I mentioned, potential guys that could be added at the deadline. We are now just four days away from the NBA trade deadline. There has been a ton of rumors for the Philadelphia 76ers, a ton of names being attached. And this is a call your shot type segment and show. We can do it for the rest of the show. Who do the Philadelphia 76ers, who should they be targeting at the deadline? Who will they come away with? Who do you want them to? Who do you think they do? I'm going to give my little breakdown in just a second, but I know Mitch has been hanging in East Windsor for a bit who wants to talk about this. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, how's it going? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, well, first of all, the Phillies, I think, have the best shot. I mean, they have a great player in Bryce Harper. He's a whole family. And you got like Turner. That was a good pickup, too. Still for my Dodgers, you know? Because, uh, Sixers, if they get back healthy and if you keep on healthy, you got some backcourt there. And Tobias Harris, he's the Eastern version of uh, Harrison Barnes. You know, you never know what you're going to get with him. And hopefully he's more good than bad, especially the rest of the year here. I mean, Barnes has been playing pretty good, and I expect uh, maybe Tobias Harris can pick up the slack. But he's going to have to in this next couple of days or weeks without Embiid especially with the money they're paying, you know. And by the way, oh, yeah. you guys got five guys, five uh, players on your team that are from the Clippers. So there's some winning there, but not a lot of winning. But I just want to see – I want to see Milwaukee and Boston get this wrong. I don't want to see either of those two teams in the Eastern Conference Championship. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'd rather see the Sixers in there, but that's just me yeah, personally. of course. Definitely. But would they make a trade for either Jordan Clarkson? And I'm hearing that like uh, he's also in Utah. Markin, Markin, how you say Laurie it? Market, yeah, Laurie Market. Yep. He's a good player. I mean, why is this guy, he is 14, but if you can get him, I don't know how many assets you have. Maybe you probably know better than me. 
he'd be a, a tremendous asset. I guess you have to give up to Paris Harris. Yeah, that's the issue. And Mitch, thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, calling in. Yeah, so you mentioned Jordan Clarkson. I haven't really heard any rumors about Jordan Clarkson at all. I, I did a little bit in the off season, but as of late, I haven't heard anything. It's been a kind of quiet deadline, at least pre-deadline here, where we're not getting a ton of names out there that we're talking about, or at least a ton of big names. Um, Jordan Clarkson, I haven't heard from, or heard about at least. I haven't heard from him either, but I haven't heard about uh, any rumors to the Sixers with that. So I don't think that's very likely. When it comes to Laurie Markkinen, I did see a rumor that, like, you know, who knows where this stuff comes from. Like, obviously, they're attached to reporters and everything like that. Who knows who's speaking to who? But I did see something about Laurie Markkinen a couple weeks ago where it was like, he might be available, but it's going to cost an absolute haul. Is Laurie Markkinen the last piece that the Sixers of the Sixers puzzle? Because that's part of the issue here. Do the Sixers have assets? That is absolutely true. They only have so much. And with this new CBA coming in where you can only have so many guys making max money, you got to be careful who you're throwing out max contracts to. you got to be careful who you're uh, putting as the final piece of this puzzle for the Sixers. If they view Laurie Markkinen as that and they want to trade all their assets for him, then, you know, by all means, go for it. You'd have to go to Tobias Harris, and I think that's just too big of a move to make in-season. I think that's more of an off-season move. So I'm not saying they're not interested in marketing. I would I would say that don't expect it come Thursday. Um, so those are two names from the Jazz. Obviously a bad team that aren't really, you know, they're – they should be selling. If they are if they are smart, they should be selling, and they're trying to stack some assets. But to me, I don't see that very likely. But all right, there's a couple names that have been kind of hovering around for the Philadelphia 76ers. DeMar DeRozan, Andre Drummond. We got a little bit of an update for someone who might potentially be on the buyout market for the Philadelphia 76ers, a guy who's been linked here pretty much his whole career because he played basketball here, college basketball, Kyle Lowry. This is from uh, Mark Stein. Latest on Kyle Lowry to the Sixers from Mark Stein. And Sean uh, Bernard tweeted this out, so I appreciate you using, uh, let me see this, and sharing with us, excuse me, what Mark Stein had to say. Quote, I'm told that the fresh uncertainty in Philadelphia about how soon Joel Embiid can recover from the meniscus injury he has sustained in his left knee does not automatically rule out the Sixers' desire to pursue Lowry in a buyout if that becomes an option. League sources say that the Sixers maintain a level of interest in the 37-year-old without possessing a clear-cut recovery time for Embiid. So they're interested in Lowry. He's probably not going to be traded. It's probably a buyout thing. But that's a couple weeks after the trade deadline that you have to worry about that. Would it shock me if they added a guy like Kyle Lowry? Absolutely not. Is he a game-changing type player at this point in his career, 37 years old? No, I think he's a guy who plays like 10 minutes for you. Um, but that's a guy I'm, I'm interested in, not necessarily for the deadline, but for the buyout market. When it comes to my deadline wish list, it's two players <laughs> with pretty similar names, but there's one that I want absolutely over the other. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich plays for the Atlanta Hawks currently. He is a lights-out three-point shooter, has been for pretty much his entire career. A high-volume three-point shooter, a guy who's 31 years old, who they said that the Hawks like a lot, so it might cost you a lot to get him. I'm not necessarily in love with trading away a couple first-round picks for Bogdan Bogdanovich, but who knows how the market is? Who knows what the uh, Atlanta Hawks decide that they want to do? Maybe they panic a bit because they're not getting any offers. No one's taking the bait, and they decide to sell Bogdanovich for a little bit less than they were expecting, and you make the money work, and it costs you, you know, I'd throw Jaden Springer in there and a couple second-rounders. Who knows? Maybe even that first, that 2026 uh, first-round pick. Bogdanovich, he solves all your problems. Then you could, of course, of course, go to Bojan Bogdanovich, who plays for the Detroit Pistons, who is a similar player, a, a lights-out three-point shooter. He's shooting 42% from three this year. That is fantastic for the uh, for the one 
over in Detroit. Not as great from uh, the one in Atlanta, Bogdan, who's shooting 37%. But still, this Sixers team needs three-point shooting. Needs a high-volume three-point shooter. Tyrese Maxey's probably your best three-point shooter on the team right now. And that's not a shot at Tyrese Maxey or anything. This is a guy who's finished top five in the league the last two years when it comes to three-point percentage. But you need more three-point shooting. There's been too many games, too many instances where you're getting just killed when it comes to the three-point shooting battle in a matchup. And you did last night again, where last night against the Brooklyn Nets, where you got absolutely pounced, you look at the three-point shooting advantage for the Nets. The Nets hit 23-pointers, 20 for 51. Sixers were 12 for 29. Like They hit eight more three-pointers than you. And that is a common factor for the Philadelphia 76ers so far this season. That is a problem. Before that, before that Jazz win a couple nights ago, they had four straight games where they did not reach double-digit threes as a team. They currently rank or did yesterday at least 27th in the NBA in three-pointers made this season. That's not good enough. We know how basketball is come playoff time. You need to have games. The three-point shot, you need to live, not live behind the arc, but you need that needs to be an advantage for your team. That needs to be something that you are able to do consistently. And right now, the Philadelphia 76ers aren't nearly good enough at doing it as they need to be. To me, that's the big addition I need. Whether it's one of the Bogdanoviches, I just need a three-point, lethal three-point shooter who can shoot in volume. Now, how many of those guys are out there? I don't necessarily know. But this team needs to get better behind the three-point line. That's my opinion. What is your number one wish list for the Philadelphia 76ers? What does Daryl Morey need to do most on Thursday's deadline? 610-632-0975. We haven't heard from her yet, but I'm excited to hear from her. Make sure you turn the phone down so it doesn't ring in between because uh, Josh did that last time. But Haley Taylor, how are you? Hey, Tom. Good. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, all right. So we'll start with the championship discussion. As I mentioned before, we're talking about how many championships we're going to see here in Philadelphia over the next six years. How many do you believe we see here over the next six years? Maybe one. I'd uh, say maybe. Uh-oh. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. I've been known to jinx some things around here at the station. That happens. It's true. But you, who do you think gets it then if it's just one? Yeah, I think it's going to be the Phillies, actually. Phillies? Yeah. yeah, I think that they have the best shot. Yeah, you're probably right because, look, they've gotten so close the last two years. It's been NLCS, one game away from the World Series last year, two wins away from the World Series the year before. Phillies are in a good spot. So I know you're a big Flyers, Flyers girl. No, no championships for the Flyers in the next six years? I don't think so. As much as I want to say yes and be a fan about it, realistically, this team needs structure, and I don't know if they have that yet. And I still need to see what Danny Breer and Keith Jones are going to do. And until I see that, I can't confidently say yes. Yeah, it's so tough because they're in, they're, they are in a rebuild, regardless of their record right now. That Like Danny Breer and Keith Jones have said it, we are a, we, our plan is for the future. Our plan has not changed, and which I think should be the case. I understand, like, I miss... Playoff hockey is awesome. It's probably the number one when it comes to of all the four major sports, the most enjoyable atmosphere, the cool, the fun, the most fun games to watch, it's playoff hockey. I can't wait to get playoff hockey back here in Philadelphia. There's a thing going around on Twitter, and people are just basically showing old clips of like great, great highlights in sports games. And every time I see a Flyers one, every time you see a hockey one, it is an awesome atmosphere at the Wells Fargo Center. I want it too. Unfortunately... I don't want to do it the – I don't want to take shortcuts. I want to make sure that this thing is built the right way. And the way that they do that is getting as many assets as possible, whether that's trading off some defensemen, whether it's a guy like Sean Walker, who knows if Mark Stahl is going to have any type of value or whatever. 
That's what they need to do. So I'm okay with the plan. They're still so far away, and there's still so much uncertainty. Like, we don't know when Mitch, Mitch Cobb's even coming over here. So I hear you, and I hope you are wrong. I'll be completely honest. I hope that it's more than one championship. I hope but, so, too. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, okay, cool. And then when it comes to the Hassan Reddick thing, any worries about Hassan Reddick? He's on the last year of his deal. He's going to be 30 years old, and the Eagles have a lot of needs that they that they need to fill on that defensive side, and they have to extend uh, Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson this season, potentially. Any worry about him potentially not being here next year? You know, it's up in the air right now. I don't think anything's definite. It could be a move that they make this offseason, get some value out of him. I think he wants to be here, right? I think that he loves to be a Philadelphia Eagle. It's more of, is this the direction that the Eagles want to go to? And I've said this all along. This team needs to get younger. The younger they get, the better that they're going to be longevity. So we'll see. But right now, it's all up to Howie Roseman. Yeah, it is a major, major decision that he is going to have to make. Like, this team's worse without Hassan Reddick. If Hassan Reddick is gone, this team is much worse. And they're already struggling on the def- on the edge, when it comes to the edge, the D, uh, D ends for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, Josh Sweat's a very nice player. He really struggled down the stretch. Like, he didn't have a sack for, like, it felt like eight weeks at one point to end the regular season. He's a nice player, but he's not a superstar number one defensive end. You look at a guy like Nolan Smith who, man, talk about, <laughs> talk about doing nothing in your rookie year. And, look, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. That whole situation was a mess, but, man, he couldn't even get on the field early on. I'm, st- I'm not calling him a bust or anything like that. I'm still holding out hope. This is a first-round pick, but you saw very little from him that gives you any confidence that he's going to be a guy that is going to be able to produce for you. Derek Barnett, obviously gone. He goes to Houston when they release him. He's not here, and he wasn't playing anyway. Brandon Graham is still up in the air. Like, they have major question marks on the defensive ends, and they're probably going to draft someone as well. Son Reddick's gone. The questions get that much bigger for the Philadelphia Eagles on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, All right, 610-632-0975. On the other side, we're going to talk to Chris Franklin, who does a fantastic job covering the Philadelphia Eagles for NJ.com. He actually wrote the article about Hassan Reddick that I was reading a little bit earlier on today when it came to last offseason and what he said about his contract situation. I'm going to ask him about that and a whole lot more with the Philadelphia Eagles. And also, I want to get into a little bit before we talk to Chris about A.J. Brown. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. It's simple as that. I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't be worried at all about A.J. Brown and what's been said from him this offseason. All that and a whole lot more on the other side. 610-632-0975. Tom Alvord got you till 6 o'clock. Then it's Connor Thomas after me right here. 97.5 FNAC.